what's good? Good morning. How are you? Good. Good uh, evening from Arad. Good morning where you're at. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine, man. Enjoying the rest of my day here in Mexico. Excellent. Where at Mexico are you? South of Mexico. Uh, it's a small place called uh, Huitzilac. And was here uh, because I had a Spartan race last weekend, which I did successfully. And now we're going back to uh, Oaxaca this weekend. Excellent. Very good. I just talked to another uh, remote leader that's in Maca, and I uh, I just came from Sayulita myself a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where were you at? I was in Sayulita. Uh, where was that again? Uh, just outside Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, pretty cool. And who's in Oaxaca? Um, a, a leader that she's a she's a remote leader or excuse me a remote work consultant working with a variety of different companies um that uh that i was talking with about just uh what does it mean to have highly effective remote teams that are geographically distributed pretty cool is she an interesting person to talk to yeah it it was a it was a fun conversation nice i might uh might schedule something physical in in oaxaca i've started interviewing people physically this year uh, i actually have four or five uh, mexican entrepreneurs scheduled tomorrow for um, mexico city since i'm here i'm just going to go up and from there we're going to go down to oaxaca so yeah like feel free to uh, send me her, her info so i can book her in sounds good i'll see if she's interested all right um are you ready for the the podcast did you know what to expect any last minute questions yeah, I took took a look. Um, do you? I, I mean, I didn't get anything from you ahead of time on on any questions or anything that you might be asking. But I'm happy to dive into anything. Yeah, that's basically because I don't like structure uh, that much. Well, in that context, I feel that structure makes makes a lot of podcasts boring, and I like to go, um, you know, like on not beaten tracks uh, slash paths, if I can say it that way, makes things way more fun and we can dive in specific rabbit holes. But obviously I speak about outreach and your background and, and pretty much all that you've been into. And obviously would talk about spot because it's such an interesting business. Sounds good. I've got a little bit of a choppy connection on my end. I'm not sure if that's your internet or mine. Um, uh, it could but, be uh, both. <laughs> Let me just turn off all my windows here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's good chances that it's on my side. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Yep. So, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another wonderful edition of the SDR podcast. Today, we're, we're with Andrew. Um, Andrew is with Spot. Um, and Andrew has a very interesting uh, role at Spot. He's head of customer success. He actually onboarded me. Um, and, and Andrew, we uh, can call him AJ. Uh, AJ Fortner, that's his family name. And maybe you can introduce yourself in a better fashion than what uh, and how I just did it, Andrew. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be a part of this. As mentioned, my name is AJ Fortner. I've been in uh, SaaS sales since 2012. Um, with a couple different companies and an interesting, excuse me, interesting background of products that I've represented. Um, 
from Seattle, Washington. I've lived in Southern California, Dallas, Texas, London, landed back here in Seattle to work for Outreach in 2016. Um, and then I am uh, half doing digital nomad life uh, in a travel trailer. Um, I have a blog post about that one and recently upgraded to a 29 foot motorhome and taking off in that in uh, January to be working from the road down in Southern California. And uh, again, excited cool. to be here and, and dive into my background. Yeah, well, first, let's talk about the nomad stuff. I think that will interest quite uh, a few salespeople. Salespeople are very outgoing. Um, they love to get out of their comfort zone. I believe my digital nomadism um, being probably one of my top 10 uh, unfair advantage in, in this market as a salesperson. So um, why, why did you make that decision? How has it affected the, you know, the results that you've been getting professionally? And uh, what are the mindset advantage of living a nomad life? Yeah, um, there, there's a lot to unpack with that question. And I, I think a lot of it has to boil down to the level of preparation that it requires to live an effective digital nomad lifestyle. You constantly have to be thinking three steps ahead, um, unfortunately, with a pessimistic view of what could go wrong. And so you're always planning for what should I do in case X happens. And I think uh, both from a personal and a professional perspective, that gives a lot of salespeople the advantageous mindset of what happens if I go into a demo and X goes wrong? What mm -hmm. happens if I go into a cold call and X goes wrong? In my situation, I'm constantly thinking about what happens if I lose a tire while driving 70 miles an hour down the freeway? Yep. Am I following too closely to somebody else? What happens if my water heater goes out? And so it, it really positions your mindset, not only to be um, constantly thinking uh, further ahead than one step, but it really gives me a lot of optimism in exploring new areas, really pushing myself, uh, especially after work, when I've been looking at a computer screen all day, to put in that extra time to do the research to make sure that I've got the right place. The last thing I want to be doing is looking at a computer screen between five and nine at night, but it's a fun thing to be doing um, and, and really gives me that way to decompress from a typical workday. And did any of these problems materialize? Don't you think it's a bit overthinking and like too much on the cortisol side of things? In regards to tri trip planning and, and yeah. just lifestyle on the road? Um, yeah. In my perspective, I look through everything with a lens of safety for others around me. Um, there, was a, there was a situation that I ran into this summer uh, mm -hmm. where I almost lost a tire on my trailer while I was driving down the road. And while that would have had a severe impact on me um, and me being stuck on the road, I can only imagine what that would mean for somebody else who was an innocent bystander if I lost a tire and it hit their car. Yeah. And so I think that the the level of safety is is not just for myself, but for others around me. Um, and I don't think there's any level of preparation that is enough um, to make sure that you're taking care of those around you. And so whenever I think about this stuff, again, I, I look at it through my own lens, but most importantly, I look at it for others that are around me and ensuring that they're going to uh, be okay as well. Sure. What about the nomadism advantages? Because we, we've stepped on the, the, the dark side of things, but yeah. does it help you to, to change your mindset? It, it, I mean, you can be next to a beach anytime you want. You can also go back to the city whenever you feel tired about the nature. Uh, how did that affect your mindset? Because if I, if I can share from 
my perspective, changing places on a monthly basis. I mean, I, I might have a, I might live the van life pretty soon. I think uh, that could be an interesting project, but it, it has allowed me to adapt extremely quickly to new situations. So I don't get into planning uh, that much nowadays because that, that generates a bit too much cortisol in my brain as I would like to. And if, a, if bullshit happens, if a situation happens in my professional and, or, or personal life, I can almost fix it instantly, weirdly enough. So it kind of gave me this superpower, which I had before, but kind of 10x it. What, what about uh, you, like any soft skills that um, you've acquired through your nomad journey that you can transcend in the sales life? Yeah, it's been a uh, been a very interesting perspective of going and, and living uh, nomadically. I, I landed in London last year to mm-hmm. open up Outreach's UK presence. Yep. I landed a week and a half before COVID hit and we went into a 23-hour lockdown. <laughs> and uh, I was there for just shy of six months and, and thinking through the lens from a global perspective of what does it mean from a taxation perspective to be yep. in the UK for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. Uh, I, I really just kind of got pretty depressed over there, right? You're locked inside 23 hours a day. And yeah. I came back with just a, a new perspective of what does it mean to have um, a level of freedom and, and ownership in how mm. you want to control your own happiness. Yeah. And so I really took that as an opportunity to get on the road. I had been, um, I, I, I wrote a blog piece one time and, and I joked about it as professional persistence, mm-hmm. um, read nagging somebody to sell me their trailer for a while. And yeah. it just brought a, a, a whole new passion um, mm-hmm. for things. It, it opened up a whole new network of people to be talking to. I've been fortunate enough with my time at Outreach that Outreach has started to gain enough of a presence that I can be in a campground, which campground people are very, very interesting and very, very social. Uh, okay. I have a, <laughs> have a, if I may say so myself, a pretty cute dog. And my dog uh, gets a lot of people stopping by whenever we're out at a campground. And um, when people ask, you know, what I do, where I'm from, all of that, it, it really is a fun conversation to have with people about what does nice. it mean to be an early stage employee. Um, and it's also a, a unique demographic that you meet in campgrounds. And it's typically a lot older generation. And so it gives mm. you great opportunity to um, both tell your story, but listen to theirs as well, glean advice about being Very on the road, nice. everything from um, how they support their Wi-Fi setup and infrastructure to okay. uh, helping helping somebody out and lending a hand um, okay. has been really fulfilling. Yeah, and I guess, you know, like, because there's various demographics traveling, um, older people, as per se, you know, that work their whole lives to get where they are. It's a bit sad, but it's cool that they made it in the end. Um, it must be pretty interesting stories that they have. And on the other hand, I want to ask you, um, in terms of demographic, um, how many percent of people are are pretty much like you and like me, a young digital nomad traveling? Would you say 10%, 20%? I would say um, the, the amount that I've met on the road and in the campground, about 20% are actually in the okay. tech world, um, okay. living the hmm. digital nomadic lifestyle. Surprising. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more than I expected. What I also found really interesting is the amount of healthcare workers um, that are living on the road. And I predominantly go when I am, um, when I'm out on the road, I stay in 
campgrounds. I don't like trying to boondock or be totally off grid um, because that presents its own challenges. But yeah, um, and that also has a tie into my own personal life is that I rent out um, a a condo to travel nurses explicitly. Um, And I really appreciate everything that all of our healthcare workers have been through over the course of the past two years. They're a very, very underserved community. Um, mm-hmm. especially those that are traveling around and, and going through a very similar experience to what we are as digital nomads, but doing it in a very different capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been really interesting to have conversations with them, get their perspective on things uh, and, and really understand what they're about and what they're trying to get out of their travels as well. That's so interesting. Um, I can already see a couple of, of times in this short amount of time that we've been speaking, which you've bent my brain. Um, First, the digital nomad or the van life, I think it's increasing with uh, the pandemic. I didn't know that there was such thing as traveling no- nurses. I don't check the news. Very noble of you to rent them your apartment. And obviously, I think that must be in demand of some kind. So that's interesting. I don't want to spend too much time on the digital digital nomad uh, side of things. I'd have other questions um, for you later. But I mean, we can probably conclude that it has been a positive experience for you, right? Very much so. Okay, cool. Um, let's talk about Outreach, which is um, a very interesting company. Can you tell us about your experience there and probably your top lessons that you've learned while, while you were there? Yeah. Um, so I joined in April of 2016. I was originally employee number 67 at Outreach. I left after five years um, to join two of the co-founders at spotvirtual.com. Just had to throw that little plug in there. Um, <laughs> when I joined Outreach, again, I was employee number 67, left at the thousand employee mark. And it was just such a fun ride. It was a really great opportunity to learn the ins and outs of not just building our customer base, building a business, building a culture of a high growth company, um, building relationships. Everything was around just building it and, and chasing that North Star. Um, I think that one of the things that that was my biggest key takeaway um, was how important it is to have a super collaborative team. Um, and build the team around you that you really respect and enjoy working with each day. I was really fortunate to join the the pre-sale solutions consulting team early on. Um, and I, I helped grow that team. By the time I left, I was um, supporting a team of 20 uh, people that I had been working with for five years, as well as people that I had hired into the team. And, and uh, it was just critically important that all of us were moving in the same direction, supporting each other. We had people in the UK, we had people on the East Coast, we had people on the West Coast. It's really hard to find that balance to bring everybody together. Um, whether it was in person or whether it was virtually. Um, but you oftentimes had people that were covering for each other, the UK team staying up late, the West Coast team waking up early, doing whatever they could to hammer out challenges and really do anything and everything uh, in their power to support our customers. It was, uh, again, a, a fun and wild ride. I usually joke, it's a terrible joke that I had a full head of hair when I started working there uh, because that's startup life, right? It's going to be a wild ride. And there's some days, just like you're, you know, if you're at the beach, you, some days you're riding high on that wave and feeling like you just absolutely are rocking this. Other days you're going to be at the bottom of the wave feeling like you got chewed up and spit out. But by the time that wave reaches the beach, everything is smoothed out. And uh, I, I think that's an important lens 
to keep yourself in mind uh, or to keep in your mind when going through work at a startup is that not every day is going to be perfect, but they're all going to balance each other out. And what uh, top insights would you have that are not most commonly said to SDRs at your time of outreach? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I worked as an SDR uh, in, throughout my career. Um, mm -hmm. I've managed an SDR team. I was an SDR. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I moved over to the product side of the house. And, and a little bit about that background. Um, there's, there's two things. One is there is no one stopping you from getting really good at your product. Mm -hmm. know your, knowing your product inside and out. And that's why I made the move from the SDR side of the house over to the pre-sales side of the house. Um, another bad pre-sales joke, in addition to my bad hair joke, um, is the fact that the best part about pre-sales is you don't have to cold call and you don't have to close. And mm -hmm. so I really identified that as, as a great integral part of my skill set mm -hmm. is being able to do deep discovery with customers, listening to their pain, tying it back into the value that my platform brings, presenting it in a way that is fun and engaging to your participants, but also being able to get very deep on the technical and the integration side of things. And again, there should be nobody in your company that is prohibiting you from knowing your platform inside out, upside down, forwards, backwards, whatever way you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. If there is somebody blocking you, Either go around them or find a different company to work at, because that is the easiest way for you to make that transition and get really good from an SDR up to whether you want to be an AE, whether you want to be in account management, whether you want to get into pre-sales, whatever it is, getting to know your product is extremely important. Yeah, that's so important. Can you define pre-sale? Because if you don't need to make cold calls, I guess you'd have to send some cold emails to discover who would be. I mean, pre-sale to me is 80% research and 20% outreach. Am I getting that one right? Yeah, pre-sales in, in the lens of being a solution. Well, there's a variety of different titles for it. Solutions consulting is one of the most uh, commonly used ones. Solutions okay. engineering. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really the people who are, if, if you think about in larger companies, oftentimes the layer between account executive and product management. It is the pre-sales solutions consultant's job to know that platform and to be able to understand how it how it fits in the competitive market, being able to demo it really well, being able to understand the customer's technical stack and how you're going to integrate with their tech stack, helping them understand the value, the ROI, what you're going to be bringing to the table. So again, it, it, it ties into a lot of sales skill set, but without the responsibility of drumming up the new business or necessarily getting it all the way to uh, getting through contracting and pricing negotiation. You are building value throughout the sales cycle and responsible predominantly for the product representation. Hmm. So you did that for around um, eight months. Um, how big was outreach at that time? Because that title seems to be specific for a, a specific size of company and probably uh, in the software area, correct? It exists across the software environment. There's actually a group called the Pre-Sales Collective that if you're interested in learning more, going from an SDR um, from an SDR uh, role into technical pre-sales, they've actually launched a pre-sales academy focused on people that are looking to crack into that. If it's something you're interested in, I'm happy to connect you with the leader of it. Um, but it is uh, a role that persists. That, that community over the course of the past year has grown to about 15,000 people. 
everybody that has been career experienced solutions consultants to people that are novices or making to look a uh, looking to enter that space. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, oftentimes the most overlooked role inside of the, the sales process. Uh, and, it, and it's one that is critically important in, in understanding, because if you think about the account executive role and people that are really good at drumming up the new business or are really good at closing, but don't want to get deep into the product, that's what your SC is for. Hmm. I mean, knowing your product is, is such a, an important thing. I mean, just today I had a conversation with my team about product market fit, which is probably, you know, 80, I'm a, an SDR agency. It's probably 80% of the equation getting to that product market fit. So I don't know, testing 10 products with 10 different niches and seeing which one um, can, can fit together. And, and once you have that, you can triple, quadruple, uh, 10x down on your, your winning set, your winning streak. So, I mean, um, that role is, is quite interesting. And um, when you kind of left Outreach, you are a senior manager. So you're managing a bunch of the, these pre-sell uh, guys. Uh, I think you told me it was 20 of them. How is it? Um, how is your experience managing all of these, these guys um, and any tips uh, for any sales leaders in the field? Yeah, I want to first call out the fact that it was guys and women um, that were on my team. And, and I think yeah. that that's an important thing to recognize is that women in technical pre-sales are oftentimes underrepresented. Um, and it's something that that the industry as a whole um, is, is working towards uh, improving and getting better yeah. representation um, inside of there. But from that perspective... Um, I think that there, there was a lot to unpack. We went from a very, very small team, um, to uh, a, a team of 20, and it's actually upwards of 30 people now, uh, since I left. And we went through everything from trying to understand, do we want to work in pooled models? Do we want to work in assigned models? Do we need to stratify with our segments? How are deal cycles working? It also, uh, every time that an account executive requested an SC to join a particular meeting, I was looking 60, 90, 120 days down the line to understand, okay, if I know that this is an enterprise deal and it's going to take up upwards of six months to a year to close, who is it that's going to be best aligned with their skill set, their industry expertise, their availability? If I know somebody is going to be going on uh, maternity or paternity leave within the next three to four months, are they going to be able to help this deal cycle all the way through? And so it's really important as a leader to understand the dynamics of your team. I'll be honest, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a great process person. I left that to some of my team members and I, I brought in program managers to help me build process. Where I really focused was the humanistic side of things. Am I helping people grow? Am I helping them advance their careers? Am I helping them get promoted internally? Or am I helping them build their resume to get the next best job out there that they deserve? And that was what was really important to me is understanding what it means to be a true people leader. What does it mean to understand the dynamics of somebody's family situation, what they're going through, how how much time are they going to be able to commit to certain things, um, and, and really supporting the, the individual human. That got really, really hard because I also pride myself on being able to know my product really well, right? I came with five years of legacy knowledge by the time I was supporting a team of 20. And I had to, the, the hardest part for me was 
releasing some of my knowledge there and my willingness to dive into every meeting and be a part of everything. But what I turned that into was my knowledge is now the baseline for anybody new coming onto our team. Mm -hmm. And if there was a situation where, you know, I obviously there was grace with the knowledge that I had from before, and it was my responsibility to pass that on to my new team members and train them in what we knew as legacy information. But when I started to dive deeper, if I really grasp onto something, especially from the pre-sales capacity, if uh, if I knew more about a new feature that was released than somebody on my team did, we needed to have a conversation about that. I needed to make sure that I was giving them all of the additional resources that were granted to me so that they could be that expert because it was no longer my responsibility when supporting a team of 20 to know everything product related. It was to facilitate and provide them the opportunities to learn more about that. So how do you make sure to shorten the learning curve as much as possible, SOPs, 1v1s, what, what's your magic formula there? Yeah, I think that it, it comes with a lot of requests um, for help from your own team. And mm -hmm. that comes from building the team correctly in the first place. When I am bringing on new team members, I'm getting a lot of buy-in from the existing team to ensure that they think this person is going to have the attitude and the aptitude to be able to learn this job really well, mm -hmm. as well as take my team's feedback very early on in the process uh, when they are onboarding these people to understand their hunger and aptitude to be able to learn the platform. Any product can be represented by anybody, but it really takes your willingness to dive deep into it. I'm not asking people to work 18 hours a day to dive deep into it. There's a curve, right? Just like any change management aspect of things, there's going to be times that you start to get it and you're really going to lean into it. Again, I like if you're working after a, you're an adult, right? You know what your hours are going to be. If you want to work from seven till 10, because that's when you are the most focused, absolutely go for it. Do I want to see that on a regular basis? Absolutely not. I want to see you logged off the computer. But with, uh, with that being said, I think it just all comes down to setting reasonable expectations with people, with all of my new hires. I let them know what my expectations are of them. And I also ask them to write out their expectations of me because I don't want to be the person who is managing from a top-down perspective. I'm very much a bottoms-up leader to give my team everything I can to support them and them being successful. Any demographics or psychographics when it comes to the best pre-sell people that you've hired? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, coming from the outreach perspective, I had actually a few SDRs that we brought in as pre-sales uh, solutions consultants. Um, and again, it was those people that had dove really deep into understanding our product, being able to tell the story and being able to share their own stories, being able okay. to tie those stories into what they've heard from customers during the discovery process. When mm -hmm. I was an SDR in your team's shoes, I was doing X before and now I'm doing it this way with outreach. And mm -hmm. these were the results that I had. Sure. Um, it, there was both people that I was willing, there, there was a fine balance of people who had product experience as well as industry experience. If you had mm -hmm. industry experience, I can teach you the product. If you have product experience, I can teach you the industry. And mm -hmm. so I, I had a lot of internal movement from SDRs over to my team because they had the ability to articulate what the value was. They had built up their confidence in having um, initial conversations because they're such good cold callers um, and, and being able to snag attention from people who don't necessarily want to talk to you. The same thing goes inside of demos. 
you've got a variety of different personas on a demo and not everybody is going to be interested all the time. If you treat it like a cold call, show them something compelling, keep them engaged, you're going to have a successful demo. Cool. So yeah, uh, innate curiosity, a thirst for, for knowledge and probably like deep empathy slash uh, a bunch of soft skills and, and EQ skills in terms of demographics where they were their students out of college were there on their second jobs uh were, were they like young people any demographics for us yeah i didn't re ever really look at age um that that was tied into it i was really looking for the experience that they had if you uh, um i'm trying to think of what the most unique actually i i can think of one off the top of my head mm -hmm. um we brought over a salesforce um consultant uh, and turned him into a pre-sales uh, person. We brought True. over uh, people who had been in pre-sales for a really long time and knew how to do really deep discovery um, over and taught them our product. There was really nothing correlated to age necessarily. It was yeah. all about experience, aptitude, and attitude. And I guess uh, budget wasn't of concern at, the, at that time, right? I think uh, Outreach got uh, funded multiple times. I think it was a very, uh, and it still is, uh, a, a cash printing machine um, and I think, you know, you didn't have much constraints when it came to um, yearly salary, right? I mean, we, we remain competitive in the market. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, the, getting those rounds of funding didn't come directly into my budget. Um, but I, I was able to be very, very competitive. And what's interesting mm -hmm. about the pre-sales perspective is because you are tied into sales, oftentimes you are on a commission-based um, compensation industry standard for the most part from my experience has been 70% salary and 30% variable and yeah. it's typically broken out by quarter and how you're assigned to that could be by your segment performance it could be by the pod performance it could be off of mbos it could be a variety of different ways but it really keeps the the sales hunger um, mm. and the desire to win strong when you have that type of equity compensation aspect uh, okay. in a pre-sales capacity as well. Pretty cool. Do you have a hard stop or do you have a bit of time to discuss about spot? Yeah, I'm happy to, to keep going. <laughs> want to discuss about spot because it's such an interesting app. I've personally used it, never like converted, but who knows, 2022 might reserve that for us. The metaverse, it was so big uh, in 21, uh, probably going to keep getting bigger. And I mean, remote work and collaboration tools and Zoom, which is uh, every time we used to have a meeting, you used to tell me, hey, let's do it on spot. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it on spot. But uh, it's a pretty cool app. And it was made by some of the co-founders of Outreach. Can you tell us a bit more about the app and your role there and everything that you've learned must have been a, a wild ride since uh, around nine months, I'm pretty sure. So tell us about those juicy details. Yeah, absolutely. It has been, uh, it's been super fun um, to be back at the point where there's, there's just seven to 10 of us at any point that are hammering out and taking customer feedback and going and building against it. Um, mm -hmm. We, we have our kind of North star of what we want to be doing, but, uh, what's what's really interesting about this, and if anybody has ever heard the outreach background story, is that the founders of outreach went through a pivot very early on um, in building out outreach. 
and being aligned with leaders who are not so dead set that their idea is going to be the next best thing. These guys absolutely love and crave feedback. And mm-hmm. that's what they trusted me with is going out, talking to customers, boiling down feedback, understanding where priorities lie, and then communicating it back to our larger engineering team. It okay. has been, um, Spot virtual for anybody who's not familiar, um, and and you mentioned the metaverse, which interestingly enough, you know the metaverse and, and the announcement we we call him Uncle Mark, right? Uncle Zuckerberg, um, <laughs> who came out with a lot of you know the, there there's a lot of just buzzwords, and it's almost like that when everybody was talking about machine learning and AI for a while, and everything had machine learning and AI, right? Yeah, now it's dream. everything metaverse and. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the the buzzword is thrown around quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. and we really try and be on the, for lack of a better term, say the far left of it, right? I'm going to look at Meta and all of their products and people that are wearing VR headsets um, for every meeting that they're on. We don't think that's going to happen. Do we think meetings are going to happen in in the metaverse in the future? Absolutely. Do I think a CFO of a large company is going to approve three to $400 headsets for people to be managed by IT and all of that? Absolutely not. Do I think people like myself are going to adopt wearing a headset and now being distracted or not having the ability to monitor my own surroundings? I've got my dog right next to me here. I may have laundry going, something cooking in the microwave. I'm not going to be the person who joins a meeting in a headset all the time. And that's why I say our Earth spot kind of lives on that far left where we want to bring the elements of bringing your team together in a more natural way to the forefront of what is that offering into the metaverse and be that um, be that change agent for people that have been living on Zoom for the past two years and are absolutely sick of it uh, mm. to now have a new way to connect with your team. And it's Pretty been, cool. again, really, really fun to hear the teams that are adopting Spot and how we're bringing their team together, the experience that they're having and bring back those elements of a physical office with none of the bad. Pretty cool. Um, okay, first thing first, I think, you know, I, I'm, I kind of share your opinion. Um, well, at the present moment and in the next five years, um, I think people will kind of massively adopt it when um, Oculus will go through uh, better versions. Uh, for example, lens that I have, and you would sit in the, the chair right next to me. And I, I would be in, you know, this environment, but with you in, on this chair right now. Uh, and that's going to happen when? Probably not in the next five years. Then you're kind of betting against Zaki here. Um, and because he, he probably, he probably thinks there's going to be mass adoption. And that, that's guy, that guy is pretty smart. I, I'd be betting more with you, but you know, he, y'all, you always have this wild card and he, he might be right. Um, then I, I want to ask you, do you rem- remember any feedback I gave you about Spot and was any of it implemented? Ooh, good question. Uh, <laughs> A trick I one. Notes, I don't have my notes in front of me of exactly the feedback you gave me initially, but what's been super fun about this and, and this journey of going from big to small again is yeah. that any feedback that I take, I, I almost immediately, or any feedback that's ever sent to me, uh, and my team can attest to this is that it almost instantly goes into our team channel for everybody to review. Uh, and so the, being the, the, for lack of a better term, the filter that passes along information over to people has been a lot of fun. And, and I would yeah. encourage you and, and ask you to come back over and let's do our next meeting inside a spot 
So you can see the yeah. changes that have been implemented since uh, we were last in there. But moving Love fast, um, it, it, I mean, to, to Mark Zuckerberg's credit, right? He's 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 been quoted as saying, "Move fast and break things," and that's where we're at as well. We're moving fast. We're building. We're having lots of conversations. It's it's been a ton of fun so far, um, and I can't wait to continue to see this thing grow. Spot is pretty cool. And that was a trick question. Why? Because even myself, I don't remember much of the <laughs> feedback I gave you. Um, and I, I was kind of relying on you to, to kind of uh, help me with that. Um, but actual, actually, I have really good memories of, uh, of Spot. It's a pretty nice place for people that don't know it. I would kind of describe it as the Sims of online working. Um, I think that's a pretty good uh, description that a lot of people can relate to. Have your little avatar you can meet, you can talk to some people, can listen to some music, which is pretty cool for culture, uh, being on the same beat. Although like some people will tell me that we're not all EDM or progressive <laughs> house fans. Um, and, and to that, I'll tell them that, you know, like lyricless uh, songs are the best to work at. And if I would have a physical office, I'd definitely have that blasting through the speakers. That being said, um, you, I, I guess you remember that, you know, my business is fully remote, uh, we never had an office that was from day one, pre-COVID. Not saying I'm a genius that foresaw everything, but I, I definitely saw the advantages from day one of remote work. I saw that I could close from a distance without meeting people and manage and find talent from a distance. They understood it too, it seems. And it, for me, it was kind of um, a, a, a fun thing, um, n- not a need but definitely, you know, like uh, something fun, something social, just to say that we have a virtual office and it's a place where we can all meet. I think people are starting to treat culture um, with with more attention and that's definitely a culture tool and that's definitely a level that we are at um, this year. Um, If I'm not wrong, I saw many competitors pop up left and right this year um, very similar tools. So like, how can you identify some of them and how, how does your tool distinguish yourself? And can you also like describe your, your ideal avatar, uh, that, that would use spot? Yeah. Yeah. Great. All great questions. So let's dive into a, a couple of those things. And, um, I, I talked with actually a, a gentleman this morning that is a CEO of a, of an organization, um, that does outsource sales development, uh, for, uh, on behalf of their customers. And yeah. one thing I found really interesting that, that we dove into is that he told me that it is his goal within the next two years mm-hmm. to be on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies list. Okay. And that means that he is going to grow his team significantly. And I think that's one of the biggest things um, that that Spot is offering to sales leaders is the ability Mm -hmm. to scale and grow and give people that opportunity to learn from the experts that are on their team as you continue to grow people. We're increasing the opportunity for those casual check-ins, for those opportunities for somebody to ask a quick question without having to schedule it a week out because that's when they saw availability on somebody's calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we think about Spot, there's there there's a variety of different people that we're going after. I'm talking to everybody from VPs of HR and Chief Human Resources Officers to engineering leaders to individual users who say, "I want to bring this to my team." If you think about how Slack grew from the bottom up, they got Slack in the hands of engineering teams. Engineering teams got hooked, and then once those people have it in their hands, IT or nobody's taking it away from them. 
And mm-hmm. so there's there's a really great opportunity for us to grow across uh, all sorts of different personas, mm-hmm. either those that are offering it for their teams, getting it in the hands of teams um, that are championing it up the ladder. Um, I'm having conversations all over the place with people, and I feel really, really fortunate that people are using it. I, I believe, and, and I've been very fortunate in my background across my career, and um, I, I firmly believe in doing work that matters. And mm-hmm. when I talk to people and I get feedback, like the team is having a ton of fun in here. Our Christmas party went really well. We couldn't have done it on something like Zoom. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what that's what validates that what I'm doing actually has an impact on the livelihood of people. Um, mm-hmm. And their happiness at work each day. Mm-hmm. So, who's your your ideal avatar? Like, who do you go after? Is it a funded startup? Is it the CEO of a small company? Who who is it exactly? Uh, no one to be no one and everyone uh, to be uh, <laughs> to, to be frank, because there's so much applicability in here. I could be talking to a VP of sales who wants to host sales kickoff inside of or larger um, meeting room events that has spatial audio. So they can say, you're talking to the people that are around you at your table. And then when we go into presenter mode, everybody is automatically muted. And now my content is being shared. I could be talking to a chief human resource officer who says, we want to bring something fun and different um, to our team so that they can just be trying this out. I could be talking to an engineering leader who says, I want stand-ups to actually go in a circle again. Um, and they only want to use spot for standups each day because Zoom mm. doesn't really give them that opportunity. They're kind of popcorning around all over the place. And it's awkward for them to be able to do that. I mentioned sure. the VP of sales. Maybe they want their team, um, you know, they're doing a forecast call. And rather than the, hey, can you stop sharing your screen so I can share mine conversation? You've got five people who are sharing their screens all at once and you're looking at everybody's forecast. There's yeah. so many different use cases that there's there's really no shortage of people who can be using Spot for their teams. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to unco- uncover more of those use cases um, because the, the amount of outbound I could be doing, I could be working 26 hours a day um, and still not being able to catch up with everything outbound that I could be doing. But that's mm-hmm. also why we've built a really strong inbound funnel uh, to to be able to support a variety of different people. Sure. I have uh, two features I want to highlight to the credit of Spot that I really loved. And then I want to finish with a last question. Sounds um, good. So, well, the Spot is pretty cool for, for all the people that, that don't know it. So you can build like your own room. I had my war room. I had, you know, a, a gigantic chess player. I'm a chess player. And even a pool, you know, like so we can could have party. One function that I've written, you know, I, I take a lot of notes um, on a daily basis on my Trello. And I think it was two years ago, I was looking for a walkie-talkie app. Okay, walkie-talkie mm-hmm. to me is like, I want to I be on 24-7. If I want to talk to you, I just put my mic on. And Spot had that. So that was like a eureka moment. I was like, oh, that, that's pretty damn sharp. Um, the, the second thing... Um, it's specific to my business. I guess the war room is not that much uh, I mean, to the credit of Uber. They, they must have used this one a lot. And to every business that's in war mode, that's, that's pretty cool. War mindset, war, uh, war type of CEO, which I, I think I am. Uh, but the, the one that I want to highlight uh, specific to my business, and I think you suggested that to me, was for my callers to actually all be in one room uh, with their desk and make some calls. Um, and that's quite important because uh, they need motivation as they are when they make their calls. And they, they need to see that they have their peers with them right now that are making calls. I'm reading a book. Um, 
by Andrew Warner, which you probably know from Mixergy. And at the beginning of, he, he has this podcast for entrepreneurs and he mentions at, at the beginning of this book that he used an app uh, to make him accountable to write a book because writing a book is quite hard. And this mm -hmm. app is just me and you in the same room. We can be muted. And I know that you're there and that you're writing a book at the same time as me. And that makes me accountable. So that was a pretty cool um, feature um, on spot. And I'm pretty sure that you guys have developed some new ones. I'm going to check the platform out pretty soon. Um, but the question I want to ask you and, and finish this podcast, because you have your, your Friday, your busy guy, and the, obviously spot is, is very successful. So pretty sure your, your calendar is back. What um, top lessons have you worked, uh, have you learned so far at spot? Um, and what would you recommend to head of customer success at other startups? Mm, great question. Um, I would say, and I, and I think this goes out to, to all the SDRs out there that have made it this long of listening to me blabber on. Um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout my career, not just mm -hmm. in the transition from outreach over to spot, is I think the age old saying of it's all about who you know is complete bullshit. Uh, I think it's all about who knows you and who's going to think of you when something happens. That's okay. why it's really important to represent yourself strongly each and every day, because me going outbound to my network isn't going to work. I want to bring a ton of people onto here. And I've really worked hard throughout my career to make sure that when people saw that I made that change over the spot, they want to come try it out. And okay. I think it's really important, um, again, if, you, if you've made it this far, to, to keep building yourself every day as somebody that's going to provide value to those that are around you. Um, work really hard to make sure that, again, you don't have to rely on going out to somebody else and asking for a favor. Build yourself into the person that people come to you and want to ask for your help with stuff because you're an expert. And I think that that, um, again, I am by no means an expert in a lot of things. I can change a tire on a trailer really easily. So you can call me an expert on that <laughs> one. Um, but I think that, again, taking, um, taking care of yourself and those around you, whether it's customers, whether it's colleagues, is one of the most important things that you could be doing each and every day. Um, taking customers feedback, helping them feel heard, uh, advocating for them in uh, all of the relationships that you have to help your customers be super successful. Um, and also identifying, again, I, I feel really lucky in my career. I have been blessed with the opportunity to, to do work that matters, that has an impact on people's livelihood and happiness each and every day, whether that was an SDR that I helped at Outreach have the best month, quarter, or year that they've ever had that was reflected monetarily in their paycheck um, to the feedback that I get uh, each day about teams that are now more cohesive. They're working together. They're removing barriers and increasing lines of communication. That's what gets me up and gets me going every day. So um, I think that I, I think that's a, a really good way. And, and again, I feel really lucky that I've been able to, uh, to, to land myself here. That's a home run. Um, you know, like you, you told me it's not who, well, you started like the comment saying who, you know, and then I was like, yeah, who, you know, is, is definitely important, but you brought like an angle to it, which is so important because I have, um, you know, I have many theses in my life to, to be very successful in, in some regards and one of them it's it's to build my network and and the who you know thing but um your twist to it is is very powerful it's kind of the godfather you know like you do something for someone first and then when uh you need something from them then you call on them because 
and that that's so true you know like people won't accept anything from you if you're um, and I mean, that's that's my own twist to it. But for example, I am outreaching to sell my coaching service. Um, people will not want me as a coach if they don't see me as someone they want to be. So I want I, I need to make my work first, right? I need to to have my credential. I need to to well, credentials not in the the, the way to to have my certifications, but more um, you know, like what makes me special. Uh, for example, um, the for example, David Goggins, which is this crazy, crazy Navy SEAL guy. Well, he ran um, fucking ultra races on broken legs, you know? And mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I mean, that that's like very, res- he's on top of my uh, respected people list. And I, I would want to come to him for that. So I think you need to do the work before you go to other people. I think that's a top lesson. I think people are trying to short circuit too much their way into success and ask before they actually give or ask before they actually do slash accomplish. So that's very uh, powerful point. And thank you for sharing that you, you bent my brain a third time today. And uh, every time my, my, ba- my brain is bent, I have problems saying that little sentence here, it's value. I take notes and I will probably execute and implement on that later. So thank you for that. And I think most yeah. of listeners today can appreciate um, our conversation that was short and sweet. Andrew, have a nice uh, rest of your day there and uh, keep on nomading to, to happiness and success, buddy. Sounds good. Well, lots of updates on my, uh, on my travels coming to the Spot Virtual blog. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation with you. I hope you have a great holiday season, a great you 2022, too. and uh, send some of that sunshine up here to Seattle because we could sure use it. It's a little gray and nasty out. <laughs> I'll, I'll send my best energies and mental forces. So have yourself a great rest of the day, man. And I'll, I'll send you the recording as soon as uh, I'll have it ready. Sounds good. Nice, John. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Bye.